Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the QO Sports Network podcast. This time it's episode four. I'm your host, Adam Gawkin. Uh, ben Strober is going to join me for the first interview today with Anthony Spano. He is a two or three sport athlete here at QO, depending on if you call hockey a sport, but he's a star lacrosse player, star football player, and like I just said, also a hockey player. It was an absolutely awesome interview. It was probably the best one that we have done yet. No clicking noise today, which is awesome. Um, audio standards back to normal. It was absolutely awesome. I highly recommend listening to the whole entire thing. It was so informative, so educational, and so entertaining, too. It was it was awesome. It was so much fun. I hope everyone enjoys it. And then after that, we're going to do a bit of a throwback to the state quarterfinal game last year, Quince Orchard versus Anne Arundel. And that one, sorry, versus Arundel, they play in Anne Arundel versus Arundel High School. That was a great game. And it's just about the first 20 minutes of our broadcast from that game, starting off at the opening kickoff. It was a very exciting one. It was the first one with our new equipment, so it was a lot of fun, very pristine. And I hope everyone enjoys that. It was a great episode today. I hope everyone enjoys it. If you have any feedback, please just DM us on Instagram or Twitter. All feedback is welcome. I hope everyone enjoys. We are now welcoming in to the booth and also going to join me today for this interview is Ben Strober. Welcome guys. So so um to start things off Anthony. So of course for people who don't know who you are, you uh pretty much kind of a three sport athlete at QO. It depends if you count hockey as a third sport. I do, but it's not technically an official sport, but football and lacrosse, both varsity teams and so but pretty much at least to me and I'd say the same for you um lacrosse has been your main focus and with that of course COVID affected last season and I was just wondering to you what was that like to first of all find out that the season was going to be canceled and how you handled that uh mainly it just like crushed like me and like my fellow teammates I mean especially like my brother and Justin Gold and all the seniors they didn't get to have their last season, and we just worked so hard in the off season. Uh, went to every workout, worked hard the whole time, just for like our season to get cut short, only get a few scrimmages. That really sucked. But I mean, at, for the most part, we tried to stay positive, stay in shape, hopeful that we would go back. Obviously, that didn't happen, but we were hoping for the best. Well, yeah, we- I remember that was it was a kind of a crazy time because uh, I, I've mentioned this before on this podcast. I also play lacrosse and. We were in like the same carpool to the game and I was optimistic and, you know, I think it was also Aiden Burke, who's also a junior at QO. He plays lacrosse in football. He was saying, no, it's all going to get canceled. It's going to get canceled. And that was a crazy day. And yeah, I don't think any of us were expecting it. Yeah, no one, no one knew what was going to happen or like where this would go. So it was just like the uncertainty was so hard because we weren't like sure if we were done or if we were going back or what was going to happen. So that was the hardest part for sure. Yeah, that was really crazy times. Anthony, what was your initial reaction to MPSSA's plan to restart lacrosse this spring and uh, the other sports? I think it's ridiculous. I mean, we got robbed of our season last year from uh, from COVID, and they're taking our season like that we would have had, and they're just cutting it and giving it to all these other sports that had a season last year. Like, at, if anything, we deserve a full season. Like. 
the other sports, like I get, they deserve to play, but if they can make the seasons overlap or they get like shorter seasons or whatever, but I think spring sport athletes as a whole deserve a full season at the very least. And um, so for you, how much do you think that a full season would kind of help you out? And how important do you think it is to your player development just from a personal level for um, playing in high school? The thing about having a full season is is you're playing lacrosse six days a week, you're, whether that's games, practice, whatever. So you're playing lacrosse all the time. Your stick skills get so much sharper. We get to develop the younger kids into better athletes for the future. Like, that's what we mainly missed last year. We had a lot – our team was very young, and we had a lot of players – that needed that year to develop and grow on varsity so we could be clicking on all cylinders this year. But obviously we lost that, and it's going to be even harder with another shortened season. And it's just going to push our program behind for years. And um, you kind of mentioned it, – it's it, to me it's kind of funny hearing you talk because you talk about saying all the young guys and saying how like you're talking about the youngest players last year when last year you were an underclassman too, and – your freshman year, you completely tore things apart, and you were named to the all division first team all division. And I was just wondering, what was your initial reaction? Now this is going back a couple of years, but what was your initial reaction to finding out that you, as a freshman, were going to make the first team all division? Honestly, um, I I was during practice actually. I was doing like a clearing drill, and Coach Poho came over to me and told me, like in the middle of the drill, and I was I didn't believe him at first. I thought he was like messing with me. Like I, like, I didn't think it would happen. I mean, I thought I played well, played solid. But, I mean, to make to make all division, I mean, that's such a, like, a huge honor. And I, I didn't believe him, honestly. Like, but I'm glad I did. I mean, the hard work obviously paid off. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It all pays off when you can get those awards. How do you think having a player like Logan Foyer on the team your freshman year helped you develop as a player since he was already committed to McDaniel at the time? Um, Logan, he was, he was a great, like, role model for me. I really like, like his game. I like how he's very aggressive. He's relentless on the ground balls. He does all the dirty work. He doesn't need to be flashy. He does exactly what he's asked to. And he, like, Logan is, like, what a defender should be. Like, he, he works hard all the time. Like, he started at McDaniel as a freshman for a reason. Like, Logan, he worked his, he worked his butt off. I mean, that is someone who I really like to model my game after, for sure. I agree. Yeah, that's great to hear. And so, like I mentioned this earlier, you know, we've asked you questions about lacrosse because that's just – I mean, would you agree that's kind of your focus sport at this point? Yeah, it is. But you also play football, and you could say this luck being in the right place or even skill, but last season, in one of those kind of garbage time games, you – what, fell on a fumble, picked up a fumble, and ended up getting into the end zone for a touchdown. What was that like to score a touchdown in a varsity football game for Quince Orchard? It was it was a little crazy. I mean, it's nice to score a touchdown, but, like, I mean, it's definitely – I mean, the stands were kind of empty at that point. I mean, garbage <laughs> time, but, like, it was definitely nice to score a touchdown for sure. I went crazy for you, Tony. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> And um, what is one thing – so QO football, of course, is as influential, as big as they are. And then you also play for an, for the lacrosse team, which is kind of in a 
weird spot where they, you know, you you have the skill guys like you, you know, Josh White's been a lot of skill. He's a sophomore right now, but you also just like you're like just close to making it to the regional finals, winning the regional finals. What do you think that you, as someone who has played on the football team, can take away from that and kind of move it into what lacrosse does and advance that lacrosse program? The main thing that the football team does exceptionally well is having its attendance in the offseason and their work ethic in the offseason. That's something that we try to carry over into the lacrosse team. Because if you don't go to football workouts, no matter who you are, you're not you're not going to play. Like... Coach Kelly makes that very clear. You have to go to workouts, and you have to be working the whole time. Like, football has – QF football has for sure made me into the lacrosse player I am just by, like, the work, work ethic in the weight room, everywhere, like, on the field. Like, like you can't slack off and be a QF football player, no matter, like, if you get in the games or if you're just a practice player. Like, that just doesn't happen. And that's something we need to carry over onto the lacrosse field. And that's how they get the success. Yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously QO has the athletes, but they don't always have the guys who have been playing lacrosse since they were five, six years old. How do you do you think it's possible for Quince Orchard to have become one of those premier programs in the state if you can really get some of those football players to convert over and, you know, pick up a stick and start playing and then also just get that work ethic and get those guys who have been playing for a while physically up to shape? I definitely think we could. Like, think of the athletes that have come through Quince Orchard. I mean, if you look back, like, my freshman year, there was, like, Trey Wade. He was on varsity. There last year, Ryan Jones, Quez, Jeremiah, the players like that. Like, if those if those athletes came over to lacrosse since they were freshmen, and developed their six skills and devoted time to the game. I don't know how anyone would stop them on the field. That's like right. they're they're unbelievably athletic. If any of those guys came over to a lacrosse team, we would definitely find a home for them on the field. Like they would, they're like they're just a different type of player. Like there's a reason why QO football is so good. It's because of those guys and how hard they work. So if they went to lacrosse, I really think we could be like a top tier program. Yeah, Justin Moran was kind of one of those players who decided to play lacrosse last year, and he he was absolutely insane during practice. Yeah, he had been he had been playing lacrosse for like he had picked up a stick like maybe like a month ago, once the season started, and he was already like probably going to be one of the starters just as a senior too. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like kids like Moran, and there's kids that are more athletic than Justin Moran. I mean, Justin Moran is really athletic, but like Jeremiah, even like if we got like Quez or Ryan Jones, like those players, like they would be unbelievable in the lacrosse field. Yeah. And that's always something that you guys have, but it's always, it's just, it's too little too late. Sometimes you, know, you had John Chornock play. He he played really late. And for some reason they like to play their senior year lacrosse, but if you can get them there earlier in the program, I think you, I think the program could really lift off and go to another level. And that's something I think we need to focus on is we need to, almost like go to the middle schools and get kids into lacrosse sooner so that when they are freshmen, they want to come out for the team. I feel like we need to advertise it better. Like, and also I feel like it shouldn't be walk-on. I think it should, I feel like if it wasn't a walk-on team, then it would take, people would take more pride in it. They'd be like, Oh, I don't want to get cut. I got to actually like work on my stick this off season. Not just, Oh, I'll make the team. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah I, I do see that sometimes. It just, it just creates a different caliber of players. And, like, even the girls team, like, like I'm friends with some of the girls on the team, and they're just like, I don't know if I'm going to make it this year. I mean, that like that's just how it is sometimes because that's why people work harder. I mean, like, that's a fear. Some people are like, oh, I might not start. That's why they work harder. I mean, there just needs to be that motivation on low cross team because not everyone is self-motivated. Yeah, I, I definitely see that too. I, I really agree with that too because I think the main thing is we need to get people to see how, like, the great the lacrosse program is at Kiel early because, you know, I, I didn't even start playing until my sophomore year and, you know, I just decided to play just for fun just because I was after basketball season. I was just like, you know what, I'll just play lacrosse. I mean, my friends play it. Like, it seems cool or whatever. Like, I didn't really have any, like, inspirations for it. But once you start playing it and, you know, and you start taking it seriously, like, it's really, like, one of the most fun things you can do, especially at QO, because it's such a great program, and, you'll like, you'll meet so many great people, and you'll just learn a lot, and you'll become a hard worker. Yes, yeah, definitely. I agree. I agree. Uh, okay, lastly, Tony, I was going to ask you, what were what are your uh, goals for your remaining athletic career at QO? And then uh, to emphasize on that, how do you plan on foreseeing after high school? Would you like to play college lacrosse, or what are your plans? Um, for QO, my main goal would be to win a regional championship. That would be awesome to do. Another goal of mine would be to make first team all county, um, and possibly make like honorable mention all met my senior year, maybe even second team. We'll see how it goes. I mean. Those are some, like, reach goals of mine. And as far as after high school, um, I'm thinking about playing at very, like, good academic schools, like the NESCACs or, like, potentially, like, the Ivy Leagues or, like, schools like Lehigh, schools like the Boston University. Those are schools, like, I'm attempting to go to. I mean, right now, like, some of the NESCACs are reaching out to me. Those are like the schools like up north or small D3 programs like Williams, Middlebury, Tufts, schools like that. They're very like academic schools, like, but they're also very solid D3 programs. So those are the type of schools I'm considering. And we'll see how it goes after this fall season. I mean, I have a lot coming up. I have like three tournaments with my next level team coming up. And then I have the under armor games and early october for the dc spotlight team we'll see how that goes hopefully i can catch some attention there and uh you kind of just mentioned that club in the past playing club in the past and i'm gonna kind of shy away from the qo sports a bit here and just more talk about you and your club career but you know when for a lot of your time playing club, I guess before you before you came to high school and had to try to find a way to split time between football too. What was it like to go against guys like comes to mind Elliot Dubik, who's already committed to play at Maryland, which is one of the best schools in the country? Who is just you know guys like that who are absolutely insane. What's it like to go up against those guys, and how do you think that helps your game? I mean, you guys might view them as like these insane players, but like. At the end of the day, to me, he's it's just like it's Elliot Dubik. Like, I mean, I'm used to guarding him. I'm used to playing against him. Like, playing against players like that don't intimidate me at this point. I mean, I've been playing with 
Ryan Splane. He just committed to Rutgers. He's one of my like, good childhood friends. I've been playing with him since we were like five. My friend Marcus Padoni, he goes to RM. He is getting he's getting D one attention right now. I've been playing with him since I was about five as well. So I mean I'm used to playing with kids of that caliber. So I mean it doesn't really like bother me and like like I said on that um on the DC junior spotlight team, I'm playing with kids that are committed to Syracuse, Air Force, Lehigh. I mean it's just it's just like the culture of lacrosse around here is just so crazy. All these kids are so good. They just have to be used to playing with commits. Like, I go against Mac Haley on my next level team. He's committed to Navy right now. Go against him every day in practice. Aiden Schaffner, he goes to Robinson. He's getting offers from, like, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. So, I mean, it's just it's a normal occurrence for me to go against these type of players. So, like, when Churchill comes, I'm not going to be, like, scared of guard, guarding Dubik. I mean, it's definitely going to be a challenge. He's a very talented player. But I'm not going to be like intimidated just because he's committed to Maryland. Yeah, I think that's that's the mindset that the kind of you could say the program in general really needs because a lot of times I feel like this is just from my personal standpoint. It feels like there's no confidence. You know, QL Lacrosse goes up against teams like Wooden and BCC sometimes, and instead of saying, you know what, if we play as a team, we have a chance to win this, it's oh my gosh, look at them. They have all these club guys. They're going to beat us. And I feel like it's 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 one of the more flaws. It's just self-confidence. Yeah, I 100% agree because people, they give they give these programs too much respect. They're like, oh, it's Churchill. Churchill's so good. They have so many good players. It's like, yeah, they're good, but anyone can lose on any given day. Like when my club coach, he always says, they put on their shorts the same way you do, one leg at a time. I mean – it's they're nothing special. Like I mean, look at Northwest. We were the heavy favorites when in football. When we played them, we were so much more talented than them. We had we had Chop, we had Marcus, we had Plummer, we had Quest, we had everyone. Like we were lined up to win. We beat them the first time. But they came in and they played and they deserved to win. They played they outplayed us. They came in. They I think they personally outcoached us. Like I think they played the game super smart. I think they made no mental mistakes. I think they were just more ready than us. And that's what I'm saying. QL lacrosse needs to come in, and they need to be ready to play. Like, it doesn't matter who we're going against. And I think kids get intimidated very easily just by, like, kids like Elliot Dubik. Even though he's very talented, doesn't mean – that doesn't mean anything if he does if he underperforms. He could have a bad day. You could be playing the best game of your life, and you could be guarding him, and he could not score on you. You never know. You never know until you try. Yeah, and the cross is one of those team games where, you know, any given day you can upset someone. Um, you know, QO almost upset RM last year a couple of times. Uh, Northwest almost upset RM. And it's one of those sports where you can be on fire. You can have a player who is one of the best players in the country and he just lost his stick. He just, you know, drops a lot of passes. And it's one of those team games where you, you need self-confidence and self-confidence is half of the game almost. Yeah, it's definitely a mental game. I mean, you got to be dialed in for the game. You got to be, you got to be ready to go. You got, you have to practice hard that week. I mean, it's just like a culture that I wish that we brought over to the lacrosse team from the football team, from other programs like, like Urbana. They're a top tier program in the in the state for sure with four D one commits. I mean, when we played them two years ago, my freshman year, 
they pummeled us probably 19 to one or something like that, but they deserve to win. We came out intimidated by those kids just because they yeah. were, they were rated so high. I mean, yeah. And that's something that I think even in practices, as this is just a personal experience of mine, um, I was for a lot of, a lot of the season last year before everything got canceled, I was starting on attacking, having to go up against guys like you and your brother, Will and Dylan beach. And at first people were like, Oh my gosh, you're going against Tony. You're going against Will. You're going, and then they're like, you're going to get killed. And it's that kind of mentality of, Oh, these guys are so good. They've been playing for so long. Good luck. And not, you got this, come on. And it really took me about like a week and a half to be able to finally, okay, I can do this. Just go at them. I have the skill. I need to do it. And it's something that it's missing. And I feel like it's just a culture that's been there for a while that needs to change. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like in practice, like I could have a bad approach and you take the good angle and you beat me. Like it happens. Like you can't be scared. That's the only way you're going to get better. And that's just the mentality we need to take to practice. And I mean, I think that's something we really need to establish in this off season. This is, elongated off season that that literally iron sharpens iron like you're gonna get better by going against me even though it looks like you're getting crushed i mean i've just played with such high caliber players that like it's gonna take a lot to beat me but you're gonna learn what works and what doesn't pretty quickly yeah and you know i going up against you i would get destroyed almost every single time but even then i was like oh okay now to beat you i have to go and do this and then maybe I would stay in and go against the second team, and I would try that same thing. And even though it got destroyed against you, I then had that confidence to go up against one of the guys who, while still very good, is not at that level of playing like top caliber club, and it works. And you know, it's it's just that confidence. And then it's one of those times, maybe you can get a break against someone who's as good. You know, they have a bad approach, and you're there, and you know, you can win. And it's all about that having that confidence to go and do it. Yeah, it's. It's definitely a value that we need to carry out into QL lacrosse because, I mean, honestly, that's probably why we ended up losing some of our games um, last year, especially in that Ligonore scrimmage. I mean, kids were definitely intimidated by that with their LSM committed to Tufts, their faceoff guy committed to Air Force, and their attack, their star attackman committed to Navy. I mean, kids were intimidated by that. I mean, you just can't let that get to you. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I remember going up against one of their defense or I guess we were like walking on the field and, everyone, and everyone's like oh my gosh they're so huge and I was always I kind of realized like you just got to play anyways and I'm like no like we can just beat them player game we ended up not beating them but I mean it felt like some of the guys were just kind of scared and the people who really you know kind of came out and were like okay I can do this were the ones who play the best even if they don't have the most skill yeah for sure like Justin Moran He's a great example. He goes out and he he works hard every play. And he, he probably was one of the least skilled players on the team. But he worked hard and he was athletic. I mean, and that's why he was going to get a lot of playing time this year. That is the main reason. Mm-hmm, Anthony, how has the COVID affected the way you train and have been working out this offseason in preparation for the upcoming year and the future? And uh, – how will you influence your teammates to also, you know, get to work so we can improve the program? Um, mainly this off season, I've been working out with Aiden Burke pretty much six days a week in his garage, lifting to get stronger for the upcoming season. And I've just been playing lacrosse, like with my club team, playing with doing Eastside clinics with Darren, the good council head coach. 
over in Olney with some of the QO kids. Um, I mean, the main thing, like, to motivate players, I mean, is just going to be like, we have this season, let's make the best of it. We're going to have to come in clicking on all cylinders for for the season to go the way we want it to go because without, like, being having our sticks sharp right away, being in shape, being conditioned and all that, we're going to be even further behind than we already were because programs like Churchill have players who play club year-round. We don't. So these kids need to be hitting the wall, need to be going out, doing one-on-ones, shooting on the goal because if they don't, we're going to be even further behind than everyone else due to them having club players. And, yeah, pretty much that's it. And um, I think – that's all we have, unless, Ben, you have anything else to ask or say? No, um, I think I asked everything. Yeah, I think I got everything off of my list, too. Thank you so much, um, Anthony, or I guess we call him Tony. Uh, thank you so much, Tony. It was it was an awesome interview. Um, all right. You know, everyone, make sure to look out for him. Um, if, you know, we have Keo lacrosse season, I've, you know, make sure to look at it. You're, you're, you're a spectacle to watch. It's, you know, just the skill, the – strength the speed everything comes together and you know hopefully we can end up seeing you at the next level after that yep thanks for having me yeah of course thank you so much for coming i hope everyone enjoyed that interview with anthony spano Um, absolutely no disrespect to any of our prior interviewees but that was probably my favorite one yet just based on how much i knew about him how much you know he knew It it was completely awesome i hope everyone enjoyed it now we're going to just a bit of a throwback to the state semifinal, sorry, state quarterfinal football game, Quince Orchard versus Ann Arundel. This will be the start of the game in the first quarter. It was a very exciting start to the game, and this is just, you know, kind of a throwback to the QO Sports Network at its start a little more, sorry, actually a little less than a year ago. So I hope everyone enjoys this upcoming little segment. We'll probably do this every once in a while, and then get some more roundtables in also. I hope everyone enjoys. Arundel to return. That one they're going to be returned by number 14, Jeremy Weissen. Cashin now heads to his left and falls down, trying to cut back in after getting a block. And he's going to start just inside their own 20-yard line. At maybe around their own 19 as this Arundel offense now comes onto the field. They most of the time will play with four wide receivers in as Marcus Kager, Sean Okoyo, Petey Tucker, and Zach Taylor. Their starting running back, Jordan Andrews, his past two weeks, 314 yards and five touchdowns. Here to start things off, they're going to have trips to his left side. Is Sly with the lone receiver, Okoyo, to his right. There's a play action thrown over to Wiseman. Breaks the guy and finally pushed out of bounds by Barnes. He caught that one right around the line of scrimmage. Juked out Baltimore and finally pushed out of bounds by Barnes after a short four-yard gain. Arundel on the hurry-up offense. Back to pass is Sly. There's a screen pass once again to Kager. And he has some yardage there. It's a first down as they get it over to around the 35-yard line. It is going to be a first and 10 for Arundel. And already in their set formation is a quick offense. That one's going to be handed off to Andrews. And he doesn't gain anything. Maybe one or two. 
Finally tackled there by Marcus Bradley, the junior defensive end for QO. Transferred from DeMatha last year. Thank you all for joining us here on the QO Sports Network. My name is Adam Gawkin. I'm your lone play-by-play -play man for tonight. And that one, a screen pass, almost caught with one hand by Jeremy Wiseman, but unable to end up coming up with it. And it's going to be third down and nine here at their own 36. Less than a minute on the clock. And already a lot of plays here for this fast-paced Orlando offense. It's a cold, windy night here at Quince Orchard. And uh, like I said earlier, not the best turnout we've ever had. Here. Fourth down, slides in the shotgun. Two receivers to his left and right. Jordan Andrews, the senior running back, is to his right side in the shotgun. Taylor motions over. Now trips in a bunch to the right side. Back to pass. And a slant to the middle. Caught for some yardage. And that one is going to be a first down. Carries a bunch of tacklers with him. And it's a first down for Rondo able to move the chains. That one caught by the big receiver, Sean Okoyo. He has 54 receptions on the year for 671 yards and 10 touchdowns. And a quickly hands it off there to Andrews. And once again, gains nothing. It's going to be a second down and nine at around their own 47-yard line. Here for a rundle. Seems like this passing is what's working. As they're going to have chips to the right side. Slows it down a little bit to Sly, but they are once again already back. Ready to snap. And the motion there by Taylor. Heads back. It's a screen pass to Taylor. And knocked down right away. After catching it, and a gain of maybe one or two, it's going to be third down and long here for a rundle. And they're going to come onto the field. It's going to be Anthony Durso, the uh, tight end. And third down. Back to pass, rolling out to the side. Sorry, hands it off. And tackled by. Robinson for a loss of about two. And Arundel's going to have to come on and punt here on fourth down and one. Actually gained a couple on that one. So we're here in the end zone at QO, a little hard to see where they are. But uh, it's fourth down and one, actually gained a lot. And they're going to go forward in the I formation. Slides under center. The big guy, number 75, Matthew McCorkle, was in at fullback. The whistle's blow. And if this is a false start, it can bring them all the way back. Offsides the other way. And it's a false start on the offense. That's going to make it fourth down and six. And my guess is now the punt team comes on. Unless they're going to go for it on fourth and six. The you can't do that chance ringing through the small Red Army. Not as bad as last week, but uh, only one section full. And actually, they're going to stay on the field at fourth and six. A bit of a surprising move. And back to pass to Sly. There's a little slant route up the middle. Caught. And that is enough for a first down. Looks like no, not. You're the Arundel fans cheering. And actually, now they are going to say it is. A missed call by one of the refs. As he pointed Q of football, ended up not being. That was a first down caught by Kager. Back to pass. 
And still back in a try and scramble to his left side. Has a lane, but ends up sliding down. Austin Sly only gains about half a yard and second down here at the QO 44. Now 8.30 remaining. A nice possession here for a run on offense. And back to pass to Sly. There's a screen pass to Kager. And he is finally tackled by a bunch of QO guys. Looks like Bradley got on on that one, so did Ryan Barnes. Gains about three. And it is third down and about five here for this Arundel offense. As they're going to stay on the field, and my guess, this is still two down territory for them. As they're gonna, Sly's going to have two receivers to both his right and left once again. In the shotgun, back to pass. Throws a deep ball to Taylor, and it is too deep. Incomplete. And it's going to be fourth down and four at the QO 38-yard line. 7.51 remaining in the first quarter. Here from Quince Orchard High School. Once again, if you're just joining us, I am your play-by-play -play man for tonight, Adam Gotkin. Unfortunately, a solo booth here. But uh, Sarando offense is going to stay on the field, it looks like. Sly's going to be back to pass. Throws a slant up the middle, and it is tipped off the hands of Okoyo and Kyo offense. Is going to come and take over. This Cougar offense, of course, led by the running back, Marquez Cooper. But without the offensive line, Cooper could definitely not do what he does. The offensive line is Thomas DeCastro, Colin McCarthy, Diego Tercios, Dante Thompson, and Connor McDonald as they really help lead this team to do great things. There's a windy one here at QO. Papers flying all over the place. And they're going to start things off, handing it to Cooper, and he has a lane up the middle. Down to the 25, cuts to his right. Down to the 20, to the 10, and finally tackled inside the 10. One play and a giant gain for Marquez Cooper. And QO. First and goal already after just one play. Marquez Cooper already off to an amazing start, just like last week, where he ran for 330 and four touchdowns. Kiyofen's going to come back on quickly. Under center is Plummer. He hands that one off to Cooper, dives forward for a gain of about two, and it's second down and goal at around the five yard line. They're hurrying up, not letting Arundel get on their big guys. And Keo now into the huddle, gonna wait a second to get this next playoff. Here they're gonna have Ryan Luke to his left side is Plummer. I formation, Swaggart motions to the left. That one is going to be handed off to Cooper and doesn't gain anything. Third down and goal. Big play here for Kyo looking for a touchdown. If not, we'll expect a field goal by Carson Burke. I'm trouble to see who that one. We got the tackle there for a rundle. Their offensive line is Kevin McKenzie. Alex Edak, and uh, that is all we see right now here on the O-line. 
Gene Seca also up there. He's the big guys in the trenches. They're gonna make a big difference in this game. The whistle blows. It is a timeout on QO as they're gonna talk things over. Here are 6.15 remaining. All tied up at zero. It is third down and six from the six yard line. Here for QO. As they look for a big play, most likely gonna be a handoff to Cooper. You definitely say there's a, also a great chance for a, a play action play, something that Plummer is successful at. In case you notice any audio difference today, uh, we'll have to thank Mr. Raverman for getting us a new microphone. A lot more professional tonight. We have the uh, headset mic instead of a uh, standalone microphone and some earbuds. So thank you a lot to Mr. Raverman. Yeah, QO offense going to come back onto the field. Robinson is going to be on there. Of course, the linebacker, number four player in the country, according to the ESPN 300 ranking. So is Steven Williams, the big guy package in for QO. But uh, Under center is going to be Plummer. Jones at fullback behind him. Moran motions to get a blocker. And that one is handed off to Cooper. He is close. Stops at what looks like the one-yard line. That line yarker just behind the uh, goal zone. And uh, they are about an inch away from the end zone. And fourth and one at the one. They're going to go for it. The big guy still on the field. Steven Williams and uh, Damian Robinson, the, the two defensive players who are going to stick on. And under center once again is going to be Plummer in the I formation with Jones and Cooper behind him. A QB sneak. Does he get into the end zone? Waiting for the call. Yes! That's going to be a Quince Orchard touchdown. Brian Plummer with the QB sneak and Quince Orchard goes up. Six to nothing with 529 remaining here in the first quarter. Brian Plummer with the QB sneak. And QO goes up. Carson Burke to kick the extra point for QO. As they look to move this lead to seven. We have a nice attendance here for Arundel. Their spirit bus showed up. A decent amount of students for Arundel, maybe about 30 to 50. And there's the extra point. That one is up and through the uprights right next to us. It is good. As QO now going to kick off, up 7 to nothing. Of course, the last time Arundel had the ball, it wasn't a complete failure, you know. Got over to the QO 30-something yard line, and uh, they were able to move the ball. So we'll see if they do a couple more deep shots instead of what they've been doing, a lot of screen and slant passes. But that is how this team works. They have those good slant passes and then mix it up with a deep ball. But uh, the receivers in um, Koyo Taylor, and uh, Tucker, amazing at um, breaking tackles. They're going to return for Arundel, number 23, Ethan Facey, and number 14, Jeremy Weinstein. Burke, of course, to kick off, as he always does. He takes his steps, of course, five back, 
And three to his right. Now the steps forward, that one is up. Gonna be caught by number 23, Facey. All the way to the right side. And tackled right away by Ryan Ali of QO. And they're gonna start inside their own 20 yard line. At their own 15, first and 10 for Arundel. This QO defense, of course, really hoping for no penalty, something that has hurt them a lot all season. And uh, it'll be big this game if they can uh, avoid them all. And um, that'll definitely help them out a lot with winning. Sly has two receivers with his left and right back to pass. Oh, and in hard from behind, fumbles it. Picked up by Robinson. And QO takes over. Inside the O-10, a giant hit by Charles Bell. Oh my, what a hit by Bell out last game. And already a statement playing. QO is going to take over inside the Arundel 10-yard line first and goal. Just lit him up from behind to Charles Bell. And QO is going to take over first and goal at the 8. In the pistol formation. That one is handed off to Cooper. Cuts to his right. Looking to the pylon and in. Marquez Cooper, second touchdown of the game. And Quince Orchard up 13 to nothing already. Marquez Cooper with the rush of about eight. And QO goes up. Of a score. Of 13 to nothing, Burke looking to make it 14. That hit by Bell to get the fumble still is going to haunt Sly on that next drive. Hit him super far from behind. The blind slide bit, blitz. Didn't see him coming at all. There, the extra point is up and it is good. And six minutes and 50 seconds into the game, Kiel up 14 to nothing. Still trying to just comprehend that big hit earlier in the game. Right there by Bell. Mentioned it a lot, but uh, that's definitely got to hurt bad. As now with 5-10, of course, they're going to have the kick team come back on. These two kick returns have been very unsuccessful for Arundel so far. Both stopped inside the 20 yard line, hope to have a big play here. To uh, start this next drive, something that they do really need bad here. As once again back to return is gonna be Weinstein and Facey. 5-10 remaining. Kyo in their black jerseys, gray shorts. Rundle in the white jerseys, black pants. That one's going to be not returned by Facey. Just bouncing in the end zone for a touchback. And they're going to take over at their own 20-yard line. Rundle in the uh, white jerseys, green helmets, black Pants killing the black helmets, black jerseys, and gray pants. The winner of this game, 
will move on to play the winner of Northwest and Paint Branch. Game that is going on right now over at Northwest High School. Of course, here, QO versus Arundel. Back to pass to Sly, throws it quickly on a screen to Taylor, but it goes right through his hands and complete. I mentioned earlier in a quick pregame segment, QO is 1-0 against Arundel, beating them in the state championship game in 2007. This first quarter will really dictate how this game will go. If it will be a shootout or QO defense will take over. Sly on a read option. Gains one and it's going to be third down and long at their own 21. But if Arundel is going to win this game, it's going to be a shootout with their air raid. And uh, so far, QO up 14 to nothing. And last week, though, the QO defense allowed their most points all season against Walter Johnson. They were without their uh, leader, Charles Bell. And I guess we will see how that goes tonight. Slides back to pass, throws it deep, and it is almost intercepted, dropped by Larry Hackey. No one was there. Maybe to the way of Weinstein, but a very, very dangerous pass. As with 4.29 remaining, Arundel's going to have to punt after gaining nothing. That's that. <laughs> 